You happened? All right. My man. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How's it feel out here? Uh, I think I counted more than 100 appearances for the Rapids over your career. Yeah. To get a goal here, how'd, how'd that feel? It felt great to get a goal, period. Um, <laughs> it was nice. It was nice over here. Um, but it wasn't anything special, really. It's just another goal. Um, it was nice to be home. Nice to be, it, this is this feels like home. It was mm. nice to be home. Nice to see friends, teammates, and anything. But at the end of the day, in the heat of the moment, it just really felt like just a goal. You did a lot of important things for this team early in 2022, throughout 22. Um, to to have so much end product in like an eight day span over the last eight days, how gratifying is that? It was great. Yeah, because a lot of the work goes in behind the scenes. Right. As yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's, last year was a little frustrating for me, and so yeah. it's nice when you're not always scoring to be able to contribute in different ways. And like you said, a lot of things go on behind the scenes, and you might not understand how complex this game is, but I'm happy that I'm able to contribute to this team in, uh, in ways bigger than you know goals. Ultimately, I want to score goals. That's my priority, but there are different ways to help out. How much in a, in a player's in your psyche does it matter to have an end product that people actually do see away from the other 90% of the work that you do, you know? It's, it's very important, yeah. especially in my position, because yeah. at the end of the day, that's what's required for my position, my job. Um, but it's unrealistic to think that it's always going to be there. And so when that's not there, it's nice to be able to do things that contribute to it that are important. Uh, and just your thoughts on the result. Is it tough? road environment yeah, yeah man i always say in mls if you get a point on the road it's great and you make up for it at home and still three points is even better it's hard to play at altitude um but we did what we need to do to get three points mm-hmm. yeah. so I got, um, Dom, you, your, you know you thank you <laughs> congrats but enjoy you had a lot of fond memories here mm-hmm. you've come back here before what are your emotions just walking in here wearing a different shirt color it was weird I was like, I almost kept going straight into the main Like you went into the... <laughs> in the Colorado locker room. Um, but this will be old. Colorado will always be home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss Colorado. But coming here in FCC Colors, it was just a different mindset. And you know, all that was kind of pushed to the side as soon as I stepped foot on the pitch. Like I mentioned previously, even the goal, it just felt like another goal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, it's Colorado, this means more, blah, blah, blah. Nah, was... Okay. How much of the celebration was maybe showing respect for? 100%. Uh, I love the Colorado fans. Um, I've done a lot in this community, and they've shown me a lot of love, and I'll always have love for Colorado. Mm-hmm. Brenner gone, so maybe there's a little bit of an opportunity for you. Is this the start of? Hey, man. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. It's up to the coach, but we'll see how that, how that plays out. Okay. Expectations just for the team this season, given the start you guys have had, and I'm going to assume still top of the supporter shield? Hey, win everything. Mark my word, win as many trophies uh, as we can. I think we can ride this wave for as long as it'll take us, and I think it'll take us far. Found any good Senegalese food in Cincy? Yeah. Better than here? To be honest, yeah. Cincy has the second largest Senegalese community in the U.S. Okay. So there are a lot of good Senegalese spots. But there's good African food spots here. Okay. But Cincy beats it. You had Skyline Chili yet? I have. Thoughts? (laughs) Meh. It's, <laughs> it's not bad, but it's not great. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Tom. Great see seeing you. you. Congrats on the goal. Thank you. Altitude's undefeated. Crap, Rainbow punch it up, whatever it was. And-
not a huge fan of it. I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running in the stand <laughs> to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. You just listened to the post-game audio with Dominic Baji from this past Saturday. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Memorial Day, May 29th, 2023. Thank you to those who have served in the armed forces past and present. We appreciate and revere your sacrifice and service to our freedoms and to the American Constitution. Everton have avoided relegation, and we here at HTHL are happy for friend of the pod, Roger Bennett. Dortmund fumbled the bag at home against Mainz because of course they did, and I am no longer putting any faith in any German team that is not Bayern Munich. And the Rapids found a way to once again lose twice in one week. I am joined now by a man who will have the pleasure of watching the Burgundy Boys lose in person in Columbus, Ohio, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I I will be blessed enough to have seen Columbus twice this season and Colorado only once, probably. So that's a pretty exciting thing to say. Um, how are you doing, Matt? I Matt was talking about uh, skiing a basin this morning, uh, and the dude did. You call it what did you call it? The skim, the the plunge, the yeah. pond, yeah. Which I was a ski instructor in New Mexico, and I did spring skiing in Vail, and I did spring skiing in. Um, Breck, and I did spring skiing and all sorts of places, and I have never skimmed the pond, Matt. That is really cool. Tell us about what that experience was like. Yeah, so it's up, listeners, if you take the, there's the main uh, lift that they have at the base area, Black Forest, and then you take Lenawee up to the top, and then you take, I think it's Durkham or Lenawee face, I can't remember, and then you go down that main blue mark that basically all the other runs kind of funnel themselves into, and at the base in one of those areas before it goes down to the Black Forest mid-area, um, you know, it was a pond area. It was kind of a, it was a wedge, weird kind of W-shaped mark. So it was a bit of a choose your own adventure. I decided to go the safer route that you had because there was a little bit of a pond after that as well. And I kept my speed up decently. I had my shorter skis on and everything. And a snowboarder who was in front who saw the pond and then decided to duck out. And instead of going left through the main part of the run, went right and then tried to cut across. So I had to slow down my speed just a little bit. And I came up just about two feet short mark and then... And I proceeded to sink down about two feet. Um, and for those of you who have not done this as well, not making it to the end, you think getting that that two feet mark cost me dearly in terms of how much time and effort and how cold my pinky toes were in terms of getting out there. But I consider myself a fairly experienced skier at this point. I've done most of the things that I've wanted to do. I have never actually skimmed a pond before. So I figure, you know, um, if A-Basin's still open, A-Bay's closing uh, this Sunday, June 4th, but they probably aren't going to have the upper area open and the upper lift going at that point. So if I'm going to skim the pond this year, it's going to be this. There's some years where they don't make it based on the snow and when it melts and everything. There's other years they have to close it off and everything. So it's uh, just like like skiing on fourth of july mark on the on the white strip of death just down high noon it's a it's a once in a blue moon kind of a thing and just like jamie tart uh in manchester mark i had a once in a blue moon moment to do it with some mixed results but 
Rabbi, we did not talk about this last week. You know, we're through to the quarterfinals of the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And your Pittsburgh Riverhounds, as you just mentioned, got a massive win in, I would argue, the first sellout you've seen in Pittsburgh at Highmark Stadium against Columbus Crew. That sets them up with FC Cincinnati, who Rapids fans are now reacquainted with. And, Mark, it also sets up to where Birmingham Legion, who will be hosting Inter-Miami, to where you potentially have an all-USL championship semi-final and then on the other side of the bracket uh, Chicago Fire hosting Houston Dynamo and then Real Salt Lake against LA Galaxy so Mark I would argue with the exception of Cincinnati you've got all the other MLS teams I think are a mixed bag in terms of MLS thinking that this is a this is probably their best opportunity to win a trophy potentially change the narrative around their season particularly if we're talking about Chicago Fire or LA Galaxy but Mark what is the hype around cup wise because everything has come up Riverhounds Fact check, Matt. It is my, I think, third uh, sellout that I've been at. Um, now, remember, in Pittsburgh, remember, like you would know this, um, the a sellout is officially 5,000, kind of like how in Colorado a sellout is anything near 16,000, even though they can throw little stands into the corners at DSGP and make it 19,000, I think. But um, this was like a true, like, blow the doors off the sucker, call the... Um, fire department and and uh, make sure that uh, all the exits are, are clear kind of like sellout the um, uh, the real so back in the day when I moved to Pittsburgh in 2018 um, USL created new standards for stadium size and they said the minimum size for a state for a team in the championship was 5,000 and the owner of the Riverhounds went oh crap we're at 3,500 so they had to build they had to buy like an aluminum stand that seated a little over a thousand and bring it in just in time for the end of the season to like kind of qualify. And then they um, made the playoffs and they filled it uh, for the playoffs. So they made about 5,000. They did that one more time uh, in my time there, maybe twice more. And then this game, so but they never, go, they'd always had f- sellouts that were like 5,000, 5,100, something like that. This game had 6,107 people at it, I think. Um, from where I was sitting, every seat was occupied. The stands, the, the like, um, no, no individual seat, you know, bent, hard bench stands were totally full. Um, the suites were packed. And then there was a whole bunch, probably like 200 to 300 people who had, like, what I could only assume were standing room only tickets. Um, the joint was rocking, Matt. The only challenge noise-wise is it, it can't be that loud because the, um, what is it? I think it's the north side stand um, is just two rows because it opens up onto the river. So all the noise kind of empties out into downtown, which is kind of cool. Anyhow, um, the Riverhounds uh, basically were facing something of a Columbus crew, skeleton crew. Um, they didn't bring Cucho Hernandez. They didn't bring Lucas Elorion, and they did not bring Darlington Nagby. Um, and when I say didn't bring, I mean they stayed home in Columbus, and they brought up three guys from their MLS Next Pro uh, team. One of those kids started, but one of the things that was noted uh, by a number of individuals was this MLS Next Pro team that um, the Columbus crew had won uh, MLS Next Pro last season outright. So they were talented youngsters, but they couldn't get it done on the day. Um, one familiar name for Rapids fans that you'll all know is Gustavo Vallecia, who started in the back line um, and looked just like he did with the Rapids, which was 
a baby giraffe on roller skates. He just doesn't look particularly compelling. Um, he's really interesting because I think what you look at when you see Gustavo Vallecia, now that I've watched him for about a season and change, you see a guy who's extremely fast and who's extremely physically big. And so you say to yourself, and he can and he can clear a ball really well, and he can accelerate on a ball really well. So you say to yourself, that guy could be one of the best center backs in MLS if he could just get his timing and his um, ability to pass a ball down pretty good. And Matt, he's not good at either of those things. So um, he makes defensive mistakes. He's easy to shred. Uh, the Hounds basically looked in control for um, large stretches of the game. Uh Columbus looked really good for the first 20 minutes in terms of possession, but they were really good at possession without a point. They, they moved the ball around the back line and shifted things forward, but they had a really hard time like even getting into the final third. They were just really content to pass it around forever. Um, they got really dull. Then the Riverhounds got a goal at like the 22nd minute, and um, then they kind of kept pressing for a goal, and um, Columbus kept knocking the ball around the back, and they didn't really do anything, and the Hounds got out of there, you know, at plus six of ninety with uh, with a one nil win, and and they looked like they looked like they could have won that game two to nothing, and at no point in the game did I ever feel like Columbus was the stronger team or the more compelling team. The Riverhounds just played more aggressively; they looked better. It was a lot of fun. Anyways, the atmosphere is fantastic. The experience was fantastic. Um, the Riverhounds go a week from Wednesday to Cincinnati. So um, let's see how many teams from Ohio they can knock off. If they beat Cincinnati, Matthew, it would be their third team in a row in MLS that they had defeated, which is would be mind-blowing. I mean, their game against the Revolution was probably a lot more difficult than this last game. So anyhow, I've gone on too long. It was absolutely uh, amazing. And the other thing was, you know, it, it was really neat to be in the very humble abode of a USL team and have Wilfred Nancy take questions from reporters. And I think a lot of us were, um, there was a good, there was a good attendance in the press box. But I think one of the things that was really fun was a lot of us in the press were kind of like, I wouldn't say starstruck, but I, I feel like, you know, Matt, you get to sit in face-to-face with an MLS manager or two or three every single week. And for us, we're like, oh, my God, and it's an MLS manager, you know. And, and I was watching on Saturday, and I got a close-up of Nancy, and I looked at Ada, and I was like, hey, I was three feet away from him just four days ago. Yeah, I've had some – it's funny, Mark, how I've been introducing a lot more friends and a lot more family members to sports media and everything. Um, you know, we, we've mentioned my um, old college sweetheart who I mentioned who I uh, consulted regarding an opinion about Ted Lasso and everything. And so um, she and her sister are not super big soccer fans, but they mostly pay attention to the women's national team. So they're always curious, like, who I've spoken to for that. But, Mark, I got my dad uh, super into Feyenoord, and I always like to remind him, hey, Arne Slot, who just won the league and everything, I've interviewed him about Cole Bassett. And, Rabbi, I got to spend this might be – Maybe we'll talk about this and throw this out, this audio as a Substack exclusive, but uh, I had a extended uh, interaction with Jeff Birding, who's the CEO of FC Cincinnati, and that's fairly uncommon for someone at that level beyond saying hello or, you know, having a four or five, you know, second conversation with someone. Uh, Rabbi, I do have to ask, uh, do you think, uh, one, does Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati on June 6th, and how far do the Hounds go in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup? I think this is probably the end of the road for them. Um, Cincinnati had their number last year. They just seem to um, 
outlast them. Uh, they it was a very classic USL versus MLS kind of match where the Riverhounds looked really good until the 70th minute, and then Cincinnati it was nil nil, and then Cincinnati brought on a bunch of their starters. And I think somewhere around the 115th minute, uh, the Riverhounds kind of fell apart, and that was that was all she wrote. Um, I think that that's a very difficult thing that you can rotate your MLS team and you can bring on guys who are, um, you know, off the bench at deep reserve. Whereas your 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 USL team, they're going to be starting their best best players. The interesting thing though um, was that the Riverhounds did not start one of their big guns, which is Edward Kizza, who used to play for. Um, for the Revs, um, Uganda National. Uh, shout out to uh, Michael Azira, fellow Ugandan international. Um, but Kiza uh, got shovy at the very end of the match and picked up a red card, so he won't be available in this game. Which, um, And they also had a small injury from Albert Dequa, who is their starting striker. Um, and so we'll see if he is healthy and if he is um, available for this game. So if they're missing those two guys, that's going to be a big blow for them. But I don't think they have what it takes to go, especially considering Cincinnati is literally the best team in the in MLS East right now. They might actually be, I haven't checked, but the best team in the league um, based on um, overall points. So that's uh, that. this is a, probably where it ends. Rabbi, on the other side of the pond, uh, you had obviously Championship Sunday or Decision Day in the Premiership effectively turned into Relegation Sunday. Uh, very similar to last year for um, Everton with an absolute goloso, a very similar goal almost from an unlikely goal scorer to get a 1-0 victory over uh, AFC Bournemouth, and that was all that Everton needed. They had their own destiny in their own hands. Leicester City ended up holding on to beat West Ham, but that was not enough, and Leeds United just absolutely crumbling against Tottenham Hotspur. So I think it was 4-1 was the final score there. And then you had Dortmund, as I mentioned earlier, fumbling the bag against your Mainz, Mark. And, you know, I tweeted out before uh, the before things kicked off on the weekend that I really wanted to see that of what I thought was going to happen. And I wanted to believe, Mark, that like this was finally like everything was in your hand, Dortmund. You didn't have to worry about what Byron was going to do. You were playing Mainz, who had lost four in a row, totally mid-table, had nothing left to play for as well. Uh, Mainz also uh, had some history with uh, with Dor- not Dortmund, with uh, Bayern Munich, where maybe they would almost do them a favor and just smash and grab. Dortmund misses a penalty. They get a goal late. You know, they were frantic and everything. It was all of the nervous energy that you hoped would not have been there was there. And, and this was this was the most Borussia Dortmund thing to ever happen in terms of them finishing second to their big brothers and their daddies in, from Bavaria. And it was disappointing for me, Mark. Uh, and I also feel like maybe I cursed them. And at this point, like the, the, uh, the, the Bundesliga is basically just a simulation. And this was just like a blip in that simulation. I'm never predicting anyone other than Bayern Munich to win this title ever again. Uh, regardless of the uh, front office changes that happened apparently in the middle of the game that didn't allow Oliver Kahn to actually attend because he was not a part of the uh, Bayern Munich staff technically. And then, Mark, while I'm happy for Everton and happy for Roger Bennett and what that club represents in terms of the, I think, historic American interest in 
uh, the Premier League. I, you know, I think it's worth pointing out uh, the Leeds United experiment didn't really work out. There was a lot of banter on uh, online, Mark, particularly from at ESPNFC, basically blaming all of the Americans for everything that happened. I think now with the way the season happened and the way that it ended, I think Jesse Marsh is vindicated in that his sacking was a little bit premature. He could have kept them up possibly, or at the very least, <laughs> there were many other issues going on with this team that maybe he couldn't rectify against. Obviously, Tyler Adams is in fault. He was injured and he was their best player this season prior to getting injured. I think Weston McKinney's stock is down relative to where it was when he joined on loan. But obviously, we know Juventus wants to sell him and maybe at this point they'd be willing to take a cut rate deal just to you know, have everybody move on from that relationship, that breakup, if you will. And news just breaking a couple hours earlier, Mark, that Brendan Aronson has a relegation clause that would make him much, much more interesting from a financial perspective uh, now that they are relegated more previously. I think it was like 20 or $30 million. It was it was a lot of money, I think, relative to what Brendan Aronson has been for Leeds, uh, to where they would think the, hey, let's at least get our money back or a portion of that, if what's being reported is anywhere close to accurate. I think there's a couple of Premier League teams that would be interested, and I think there's a couple of Bundesliga teams that would be able to afford him and have him be very interesting as well. So a lot of uncertainty, I think, for what happens for the Americans. Uh, Mark, I would not be shocked at this point if none of those three players were back and effectively you had Z- Leeds USA was a one and done flash in the pan thing. And also like Premier League pundits who are obsessed with them because of all the Americans like Fulham has two Americans who are actually good this season and they won all three games against Leeds, including knocking them out of the cup. So I think it's pretty clear who America's team is in the Premier League, even had they stayed up. And then Leicester City, Mark, who I think if you had told Leicester fans in 2015, you're going to win the Premier League, but then get relegated. I think there's at least all but seven teams in the Premier League that would take that. Basically, Mark, I'd say in the entire football league, I think outside of the big six or the big seven, if we're including Newcastle, I think every other fan base would take that. I would take that from Fulham. It's been an absolute wild ride for that club as well. And then similarly, I think there's a valid question what happens to them as well. They've got a lot of old players who I think are going to retire. I don't know that Jamie Vardy can be an in-and-out starter in a 46-game championship season. And so I think there's a lot of uncertainty about whether or not they would compete for promotion. I think Leeds will have a lot of turnover, but just with where they'd be financially with their stadium and revenues and now being more prominent internationally from three years in the Premier League, I think are in a better position to compete for promotion <clears throat> but you know with the they're almost in a toxic relationship with you when you see all the banter all of the uh the signage around Bielsa and just the fact that like that was a that was a short-term fix and they need to get further away from Bielsa I think in order to be something a little bit more sustainable on the pitch as well and I, I almost think like they need to get over their ex and I'm not sure that they will uh, Mark I've been rambling a whole lot um at what one why did Mainz like make all of us be sad for Dortmund and any thoughts on uh, the relegation battle? Yeah, I'm a Mainz fan, but this was, uh, I was honestly rooting against them in this match, which is weird. I know that I don't, I don't sound like a very strong fan, but it's really hard to take the Bundesliga seriously when one team wins it for a decade or more. Um, This is for me, a fundamental problem. People complain about um, America and MLS not having pro rel, um, one of the reasons ProRail works, although you could argue this point, is that um, big teams spend money to not get relegated. Um, the 
problem with that, of course, is big teams can outspend everybody else, consolidate players, dominate the league, and stay at the top. And they have to so that they can compete in Champions League. Um, this is the worst in German football, where Bayern Munich just, you know, knocked the schnatzelfrasse off of everybody else every single season. Um, that's not a real German word. I don't really know German. All of my German is Yiddish, by the way. Um, so, or, or things, or think when I was a kid, uh, and Jews do this. We, we're, we're just kind of obligated. We see a lot of movies about Jews in the Holocaust. And so a lot of my German is learned from things that Nazis yell at Jews during movies. So not really particularly useful unless, uh, you're telling your friend on the German, um, uh, uh, underground that you need to run for the train and you need to go Ras! you know like Rouse! anyways okay um, yeah so I don't I don't have any strong feelings about uh, about that about Dortmund other than the fact that it felt like the kind of Thanos snap level of inevitable that like them being disappointing is just disappointing um, on the other side I, I'm, I'm really sad about the conversation that's going on with Leeds um, ESPN FC tweeted out something really reprehensible, which was they noted that uh, they had an American manager for half a season and two uh, and then added a third American player and then basically tweeted something like the, you know, Leeds USA experiment has definitely failed. But the way that they framed it is basically to blame American players for them getting relegated. Uh, you know, there's only, there are only three players on the on the team that were American. There's like 27 other guys on a roster uh, who play for all sorts of come from all sorts of other countries, and to blame the the relegation on three Americans is insane. It's ridiculous. It it makes no sense. And if you were to replace nationalities with races, it would sound like the most racist thing that anybody had ever put uh, on. Twitter as a as a football tweet, you know, it would be just be outlandish and, and irresponsible. Um, it wasn't that they noted that Leeds went down or that they noted that Leeds also had three Americans. It was that they very strongly connected the reason for them to go down with them having lots of Americans. Like Americans are inherently inferior at the soccer and therefore they couldn't possibly be on a team that would stay up in the championship at any large number. It was just a ridiculous thing. Um, to be honest, ESPN FC, both the overall football coverage at ESPN and the, um, the Twitter account itself are pretty terrible. Um, the articles they write on ESPN about soccer are actually pretty good. Um, but their social team and the fact that they're just not really committed to any soccer league other than ESPN Championship and USL, which I think is just, you know, they're paying peanuts for these these two things, if they're paying anything at all to USL, is, is uh, indicative of how little they care about the sport. And when you don't really care about the sport, you don't really come up with interesting theses as to why things happen or don't happen, right? Um, you know, ESPN FC generally is only looking to generate numbers on their Twitter feed. So they're going to tweet about Ronaldo twice a day and Messi twice a day and then say something outlandish and then maybe throw the, the table up for something. You know, if you, if you want interesting, intelligent content about soccer, that's not a, a Twitter feed that you'll follow in general. So no, and they're, they're, they're very much Euro snobby, Mark, which, you know, I so think bad. is, yes, um, 
Which is which is silly because they cover USL anyways. Speaking of things being so bad, listeners, uh, this past so Wednesday, bad. May 24th, the Colorado Rapids lost for the second time in a week to Real Salt Lake. Not much opportunity for squad rotation, Mark, though we did see some changes from Robin Frazier. Marco Ilicia making his third and final appearance in the 2023 Open Cup. You had Moise Bombito starting in a back three that included Lal Sabubakar and Andreas Maxu. Brian Acosta back in, you know, him kind of coming back from that, well, I guess that lower body injury, Mark, now that we're not getting details on injuries, but that is another topic for another pod, folks. Uh, Danny Leva in midfield as well. Brian Galvan, Mark, I think with his first start of the season, question mark, possibly. And then Sam Nicholson up top in his more traditional uh, winger role along with Michael Barrios and then Kevin Cabral. Mark, I will get to this in big thing. All I really have to say is based on what I saw on social media and then actually having watched the goal that the uh, we don't need to talk a whole lot about this game because it was basically some squad rotation with a Rapids, I'll call it a B minus team, and then I'd say closer to I'd say Pablo Mastroeni averaged a B plus in terms of what he was trying to put out there with the squad rotation between the two games because you got Justin Glad start one game, not start one game. Savarino in for this game, he gets the goal, and then a little bit of rotation elsewhere up top as well. But Mark, it was a turnover playing out of the back by Andreas Maxu, and it was 2v2, and uh, Jefferson Savarino intercepts the ball from Maxu and then goes in and scores a really good strike where he's got some space, and you see quality from an opposition attacker who finishes a not great but viable chance, something we don't see Rapids players doing. You see the Rapids make a mistake out of the back that ultimately costs them, and they don't react well defensively, and they're not in a good position. They give up the ball in a poor position given where they were defensively, and that's something that's, unfortunately, Mark, I think the one really big mistake Max Shu has made with the Rapids, I would say, ever since his uh, debut at Seattle, where many other players made mistakes, including but not limited to him. Uh, Mark, from from what I heard uh, and from also seeing him in person on Saturday in the Cincinnati game, Moise Bombito looks like he had some energy and kind of a maybe a Sheffield United Chris Wilder overlapping uh, center back in a back three was really interesting to see and he brought some energy um, and it was nice to see it was nice that Galvan got a start mark as he continues to work his way back to fitness if the Rapids are going to do anything um, from an attacking standpoint or have something change about where we are 15 league games into the season Galvan a healthy and effective and confident Brian Galvan is going to be a big part of that Rabbi I will throw it to you for I don't know wh- where do you want to take this game Rabbi Oh, uh, gee, that is a really good question. Um, this was not a good game. Um, I think the sense for me is that if you're going to have that much possession, you need to do something with the ball. Um, the team just really, they, they possessed, they didn't really do much. Um, their chances didn't really look very good. I think once the ball went in from Savarino, um, I kind of just put my head in my hands and thought, like, there's no hope here. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no way we're going to be able to do anything from here on out. Um, you know, we're just not set up for, for success here. Um, yeah, it, it, there's just not, a, there's not a lot to say about what this team is capable of producing. They, they don't, they don't create from crosses. They create from set pieces they don't create much by driving through the middle or dribbling through in twos and threes and creating trouble. Um, they don't work their way into the box. 
they don't transition particularly well on uh, and accelerate out of the back and and then just kind of bomb through the field and and create you know things. It's just I don't really know you know if they're not creating with a long diagonal to Michael Barrios who then runs it to the end line and cuts it back to you know. Um, Cabral in front of goal. If it's not Diego Rubio creating mayhem by himself and forcing the entire opposition to shift over and then open things up for the guys who are around him, there's and if there's nobody, if they're not scoring on a set piece with Lalo Sabubakar at the back post off Loki's toboggan, they are not scoring. I mean, basically, I show I told you the three ways the Rapids know how to score a goal. If Rubio's not in the game, if Barrios isn't in the game or on his game, if they're not swinging the long diagonal to him or he's covered on those long diagonals, um, and if they're not clicking it in from those corner kicks, um, which they it's a lot harder now that they don't have Jack Price, it's really hard to produce. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, the, the one thing I like about this team, the way they're at right now, is Connor Ronan um, taking the corners is, is solid. I mean, he, he puts it in a good place. Um, we will have to go another 10 games, though, before we look at the numbers to see whether statistically he's been as successful as Jack Price has. But, yeah, those are – I we I skipped past good thing, bad thing, big thing. I don't know if you did too, Matt, but it's not really worth it to, to belabor this game because this was just one of those games where the team sucks the life and soul out of you. You want them to have more fight in, a, um, in an Open Cup match, and they didn't. Um, Keegan Rosenberry had a pretty devastating quote uh, at the end, which was really like... I've got the whole transcript right here, Mark, if you want me to read it. I definitely want to hear it, but I just want to say something about it before you quote it, which was, it sounded a little bit like a shift of the team from what they normally say to something a little bit more dire and and, and depressed, depressing. But um, I, I, I do want to say one other thing. That quote came out, and then a day later, I think The Athletic released an article about the total chaos that's going on in the Toronto FC locker room about a, a team where Bernadeschi and Insigne like, are basically jockeying to be the face of the club, and they don't like each other, and they don't work with each other. And um, uh, Bernadeschi has thrown Bob Bradley under the bus and basically blamed publicly in a, in, a, in a press conference has basically all but blamed him for the problems with the team. And the rest of the team is like standing around going, dude, WTF. Like Rosenberry has expressed out loud that like, it's not good enough and he's frustrated and the team's frustrated, but something has to change. But he, he basically said it in the normal way, as opposed to expressing the full blown chaos inside the organization that you're seeing at TFC. So, you know, Silver linings, we're not as out of control as, say, the Galaxy or TFC, where things are in total chaos right there. There's also video, you should go online and see this, folks, of um, uh, Greg Vanny and a bunch of players getting screamed at by ACB, the Angel City Brigade, um, after the game about having no heart and stuff like that. And it's like, we're not there yet, right? We're, we're not the worst team in the league. We're not in 29th. We're like 27th. And so there are two layers of crap below where we're at, but it won't be long till we get there if we keep performing it the way we've been performing up till now. 
Keegan Rosenberry's response to a question about losing to Real Salt Lake twice in the span of four days. Quote, we've dug ourselves a little bit of a hole here and it's going to be difficult. Yeah, definitely cuts a little deeper when it's the team you dislike the most. Like I said, tonight was an opportunity to get back at them from Saturday. It was a nice, quick turnaround and we were eager to get back at it. I mean, without talking very candidly or explicitly, it makes you lose sleep at night. You don't like losing to teams in general, but in this in, in general in this league, but RSL is a team that just eats at you a little bit more. It's been interesting to learn from the supporters about just how much it means to them as well as it hurts us just as a little bit more to feel that for them and to want to perform for them. I know at times it looks like we can do more. It looks like we can get better results from them, but I hope they know that we're doing everything we can just as much as they'd want, uh, just as much as they'd want to if they were on the pitch to get the results to compete to smash somebody. I mean, my goodness, my yellow card tonight was so late and so bad that if VAR could have intervened, it could have been a red probably. You're almost happy to leave something on RSL if you're down in a game. Hopefully my frustration is reflected in my comments. End quote. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll throw it to I'll throw it to big things. So I, I kind of buried the lead here, Rabbi. I did not watch this game. Uh, as we mentioned last week on last week's pod, folks, I was in Palm Springs for a work hard, play very little work trip. Uh, I charged 75 hours to projects, Mark, which if you know anything about Colorado overtime, I am ranking in some bank right now from that project and closing that out. Super exciting. But I was at a big corporate dinner where we needed to impress the CEO of the prime company that we got this project work for. And so I was not able, I went to the bathroom twice, Mark, when I did not have to go to the bathroom, specifically to look at my phone to see how this game was doing. So I did not watch it, and then I responded commenting that I wasn't watching it, Mark, and I saw comments from you, I saw people replying to me, a couple listeners of the show texted me as well, and Mark, just off of what you're telling me, I don't need to watch this game because I've already watched it. I looked at the lineup. I saw everything. The only thing that I've actually watched, folks, was the actual goal itself so that I can understand that if it came up and if we really needed to talk about it. Mark, I've watched every single Rapids game, even if I was not physically able to watch it live. I've watched ev- almost every single Rapids game, at least the 15-minute highlights of every single game since I started covering the league. I would say I was properly an MLS sicko as of 2012. And at that point, I was watching at least four minute highlights for every single game that was happening, especially in the Western Conference when I was initially covering the Galaxy and everything. So I would have done that for the Rapids as with every single other Western Conference team. Listeners, this is the first Rapids game in a decade. All I'll say all official competitions, like not counting preseason, that I have not watched at least the four minute highlights of one because I don't want to because of what Rabbi and all of you have told me it was like actually watching it. And two, because I don't need to because of how bad this team is and how predictable it is. Mark, I have already watched this game 10 times this season. That is my big thing, Mark. We are at that point with the Colorado Rapids where the longest tenured member of the Rapids press tour is not watching more than a minute of a derby game against in a cup competition that hasn't taken place since 2007 because it's not a necessary nor good use of my time and mental health. Mark, anything that you want to say or shall we move on to the other 1-0 loss at home from this season? 
I mean, I feel terrible that like we we don't really want to talk about this game, but why would we want to talk about this game? Let's talk about the other game. Uh, listeners, this past Saturday, also at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado, the Rapids played FC Cincinnati, and it was the same scoreline, nil to one to FCC. Um, pulling up the lineup here right now, Mark, to make sure I don't miss anything. I'd say a little bit of a change. I'd say it was the most three five two e or the three five uh, whatever going on because you had Jonathan Lewis doing a little bit of stuff. Calvin Harris was almost in the Rubio role at times. He was switching off and on with Cabral. Some of the guys were switching with Lewis in terms of which side of the field they were on. Connor Ronu was in the middle with Danny Leva as well. Anthony Markanich getting another nod at the left back position um, and the usual back three of Danny Wilson, Andreas Maxu, and Lal Sububakar and William Yarbrough again in goal uh, for a league game, uh, replacing Marco Ilicha from the midweek match and wearing the armband. And similar to the mark, I, I don't, I don't need to do the whole rundown here, Rabbi, because I felt like the first half was kind of boring. Colorado was again, poor playing out of the back, in terms of uh, cheaply giving the ball away in bad positions that ultimately made things easy for Cincinnati on the road trying to do things in transition. I thought Cincinnati came out with really good energy in the opening opening 10 minutes as well. But, you know, then you had, you know, a handful of chances, but nothing really big for me in the first half until you had former Colorado Rapid Dominic Baji scoring uh, in the 33rd minute off of a turnover by Keegan Rosenberry in the attacking box area and the Rapids are poorly set up from a positional standpoint in order to defend against that. And it's just a counterattack with too much space. And Lal Sububakar has three attackers that he has to think about going for. He steps to the wrong guy and it's a very easy pass to Don Baji and Baji scores and a really restrained uh, celebration mark a la Kevin Cabral from a couple weeks ago. I'm um, just doing the heart hands at the South stand in front of the supporters. Um, you heard the audio from uh, Dom on that mark so he was absolute vibes and it was a joy to see him back rabbi but once again it's a team that maybe was in a bit of a tough situation Cincinnati had to go 120 minutes midweek uh, against New York Red Bulls they had to go to penalties and they're coming on the road and they get a 1-0 win relatively see it out decently well and you had a guy Dom Baji Mark do you know when Dom Baji's last league goal was uh, was it last year? No, he has not scored with FC Cincinnati. Mark, when was his last goal? Decision Day 2021 with the Colorado Rapids. That is oh, how long man. ago Dom Baji had not scored in league play. And so you just, you continue to see these themes, Mark, where it's, you know, super long goal drop for Danny Musovsky. He plays the Rapids. He scores a goal. It's a little bit too easy for him. Demir Krylach, not on good form. He comes in, he scores a goal. Jefferson Savarino could say the same thing. Um, one of the Atlanta guys who scored one of the four goals they scored back on that Wednesday game broke a really long duck as well. Like the, the Rapids are the perfect team for breaking your streak. This is how easy it is to play against them. That being said, Rabbi, I thought the energy was really good coming out of the second half. I really liked both of the halftime subs. Moise Bombito coming on for Lal Sabubakar. I can talk about that if you want, Rabbi, in terms of the... It was more of a tactical thing, not a lawless had played poorly, but ultimately it ended up almost working because, you know, Moise went on that super good long run and then he cut inside and forced a really good save out of the goalkeeper. Connor Ronan hit the post as well. You had that really crazy corner sequence as well where, um, you know, Yosuke Hanya and Bobito had a chance to it and then it falls to Cabral at the top of the box and he gets muscled off the ball by, you know, five foot four Luciano Acosta, who I stood next to, Mark, and he is my 
size. What does that say about Kevin Cabral when he's six feet tall? That kind of sums up his game and where he's at right now with the club. Uh, you know, he had a really good chance, though, later in the game as well. There was that set piece opportunity that, you know, looked like it could have been close into the box, maybe for a penalty, but replay showed it wasn't. Um, I, I liked in spurts what the Rapids did. In the second half, Rabbi, they created four really good chances. Um, Ronan's shot is maybe curls inside, maybe another two inches, and maybe we're having a different conversation about this game. But they didn't start off well. They put themselves behind the eight ball. They had to claw their way back. And, you know, this team's not getting any breaks, and it feels like everything's going against them. But as Robin Frazier said post game, you know, this team at some point needs to make their own luck. Somebody has to do something spectacular and unexpected, and maybe that will, you know, relieve the pressure and get the monkey off their back. And that's not happening right now. And it's not clear to me when's that happening or who is going to make that happen. Um, Rabbi, I'll, I'll throw it to you for, for good things. Uh, I thought Moise Bombito coming on in the 46, I thought he looked really good all game. I, I was really impressed by what he did. Um, that was a fun thing to see. It was nice to see Cole Bassett come on, uh, and he, he ran around a little bit and, and that was kind of good. Um, other than that, this was a team that looked out of ideas again and overmatched and there, there wasn't a lot of good in this game. Um, they we tried the same things and they looked pretty sloppy doing it and really looked again overmatched from from every from every aspect. I don't I didn't feel that they looked comfortable with the ball or that they looked uh, particularly dangerous at any point in this match. I know I'm supposed to be doing good thing, but I shifted right over to bad thing. Um, Matt, uh, any 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 additional thoughts? Bad thing, big thing for you on this game. Uh, well, I, I'll second what you said about Cole Bassett, Mark. It was really nice to see him back, and I thought he filled a role that he did things slightly differently. I thought Calvin Harris was decent in, I believe, his first start for the first team in league play. I know there's a lot of technicalities there between the Open Cup games that have all happened and everything, but playing against his former team, and I thought he had good energy and tried to do stuff on the ball. You know, f for the criticism that have come towards Robin Frazier, Mark, and if, if we're looking at another double, you know, two loss week for the Rapids. I, I think at that point, Rabbi, we have to at least, we have to entertain the question of should we talk about whether or not Robin Frazier's seat should be hot or if his job should be in jeopardy. But I thought he tried some things differently and he did that with the limited resources he has. You know, there were 11 players initially marked, um, possibly out from the availability report midweek, Mark, and then it ended up being 10 players who were unavailable. There were three Rapids, two players who were on the bench for this game because otherwise the Rapids did not have enough players available for, mm -hmm. um, you know, to have a full 20-man squad. It's eight on the bench. It's nine on the bench now, folks, not seven to make it an 18. So it's no longer an 18-man game day roster. It's a 20-man uh, roster. That's a permanent transition from COVID, I believe. But, you know, you had two yellow card suspensions, Mark. Yappi out on international duty, a bunch of injuries that I don't have the energy to go over. You know who they are. You can find them in print listeners. And, you know, I, oh, also, Rabbi uh, Kevin Cabral gets a yellow card, so he's now suspended for Columbus. So I guess you get to watch uh, Jonathan Lewis and Michael Barrios duel false nines, empty bucket on Wednesday. So enjoy that. 
good friend. Um, you know, but I, Cole filled a role in that he did something slightly differently and with a different level of quality on the ball, particularly in tight spaces that, frankly, Cabral has not had at all. Jonathan Lewis is a mixed bag, or at the very least, what, what Johnny tries to do is get into space, which is his game, and that works. Didn't necessarily work given the shape that FC Cincinnati had. It was a bad matchup. He tried to do something okay. Um, and Calvin Harris, I thought, could only have so much of an effect Um given that he only played in the first half. He was one of the, the halftime subs off along with Lal Sububakar as well. Uh, good things that have nothing associated with it at all, Mark, uh, was tonight, this game was Mental Health Awareness Night or Mental Health Awareness Day, and the Rapids were in their secondary blue kits, the New Day kits, and that was nice to see, Mark, and it had the colorful lettering on the back as well, which was a little bit fun. We haven't seen a whole lot of the secondary kits um, at Dick Sporting Goods Park. I know that's not something that MLS does compared to some of the other leagues around the world, but there was, a, I think, Sustainability Night or um, <clears throat> one of the other nights where they wore the um, the 14er kits, the light greens, uh, a couple of years ago, and so to see these shirts finally in person was really kind of nice and mark i assume you'll be seeing them with columbus wearing their black on wednesday and uh regardless of what's going on on the pitch right now folks or the energy i do think this kit and what they're doing around it from a community standpoint is nice um i got asked by a member of the club to put together a, a mental health uh awareness and destigmatization reducing the stigma testimonial <laughs> um, in there. And so I will put a link to both my testimonial. I've written about my mental health journey a few times as well, but I'll include that in the show notes. And they're still taking uh, submissions as well, folks. They're going to leave that link up and available to submit on the form, even though technically it's what we're two days away from May ending and thus the end of May, uh, May being the uh, mental health awareness month as well. So I'll put links in that. And that was nice. Uh, and pregame Mark up in the press box, I got to meet a listener of the show whose name is Jesus and he uh his kid is in the academy mark and they drive down it's a decent drive for them for uh to get his son to the activities that he has as a part of the club in the youth ranks and they listen to the podcast as well and he just thought you know he didn't necessarily recognize me initially and he was like hey are you Matt Pollard like can we get a selfie and everything and talk to him and so Mark I don't know that we're celebrities I don't know that we're we're certainly not influencers or at the very least we're intentionally avoiding doing that but one of the joys of this show is to you know be a pillar within the community and i think one of the unfortunate components to having a podcast mark is we want it to be a conversation with the community and with our listeners and a lot of that is two ways so i cherish the moments and i try not to let those go when there's someone who wants to have that two-way conversation or when i'm receiving communication the other way rather than just me and rabbi talking listeners talking Jesus and then maybe you guys yelling at us or laughing or agreeing with us you know in your car in your home as you listen to us and so that was just a great moment for me Mark to talk to a member of the Rapids community who listens to us who really appreciates what we do and who I hadn't had the opportunity the pleasure to uh, meet yet so uh, shout out to you Jesus you know I hope when you and your son are listening to us in the car and everything you guys freak out and be like oh Ritz talking about us on the pod and everything and so if nothing else Mark I got to brighten the day for a 
member of the Rapids community on a day that was otherwise dark and stormy because Rabbi, the clouds descended. There was lightning before the game. Brendan Plone and I were looking at each other. We were asking the comms team, like, hey, is somebody looking at the Doppler radar? Have the rules changed about lightning and how far away and how big it has to be? There were ultimately no delays. But, um, Mark, a dark cloud descended upon the Colorado Rapids, and the question was whether or not they could weather the storm. And before Robin Frazier could answer yes or no, Dom Baji ch- you know, chimed in and said, I am the storm. Uh, I already talked about the injuries and, and R2 being on the benchmark. I've, I've really liked what I've seen from Yosuke Hanya. I think he pretty clearly is where he's at in terms of the pecking order. If this was a 35-man roster instead of a 30-man roster in MLS mark, I think he would absolutely be one of those supplementary positions as well and just getting loaned down to R2. And unfortunately, uh, because of all the injuries, he's been called up so many times on those short-term agreements that this is the last one they can have, Rabbi. They've used all four of them. I think he's available for Wednesday based on how many days those are and everything. But at this point, for him to play another game with the first team, he's going to have to be signed to a first-team deal. And in order for that to happen, Mark, the Rapids are going to have to use up that final senior roster spot that they've been intentionally leaving open. So maybe if Danny Leva decides that he doesn't like green chili and, um, you know, he wants to maybe he's comfortable in Denver with all the rain that we've had, Mark. But if he decides like, hey, I've played well enough, but I don't like losing. I want to go back to Seattle and play less but not lose. Then maybe that opens up an opportunity for Yosuke Hanya. But, you know, five losses in a row, Mark, things aren't particularly good right now. If they get healthy, can they get better? Absolutely. But at this point, I think we know what this defense is. I'll refer to, you know, my nine-minute rant from last week. This is not a very good team. They're fairly predictable. And it's just increasingly predictable for me what the season is going to look like now that they are out of the Open Cup. And let's be real, Mark, outside of a Herculean draw at Nashville, I don't know that there's a plausible way for them to, you know, do anything significant in the League Cup. So um, we'll go to, I'll, I'll throw it to you for big things, Bark, and then I'll go. I will say one other good thing, which was Connor Ronan had a screamer in the 48th minute, and I forgot about it. Just a really cool curling ball that um, hooked low and toinked off the um, the post. And, and that would have been a fantastic goal had it gone in. Um, goals change games. So, you know, the other thing that I think I'm probably going to wind up writing about either this week or next week for our Substack, which uh, uh, you can subscribe to by going to holdingthehighline.substack.com, um, is to talk about how the Rapids have responded to game states. I feel like um, there have been Rapids teams in the past, I think the 2016 team in particular, that played very well from down a goal and were able to um, tie it up at the death to, to earn themselves a point. This is a team that seems to to struggle from behind. Um, they've lost a lot of 1-0 games, and they've lost a few 2-1 games too. Um, and so it feels like the Rapids fall behind a lot early on and then can't figure out how to manage. Um, because game states, as they call it, is a real thing to think about in soccer. Um, how you play up 1-0, uh, 0-0, or 1-1, versus how you play down 1-0 is, is really, really different. How you tactically approach the game 
um, how you how you move the ball, how you transition from defense to offense and offense to defense. It's very different. Um, how many men you throw forward. Um, so that's a thing that I think I'll be looking forward to coming up is like, are the Rapids struggling because they fall behind and that they're not good from, from down one nil. I mean, there are lots of teams that, um, concede the first goal and then go on to win three, one. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, giving up a goal is not a death sentence, but for the Rapids, it seems to be a real problem. So they're going to have to address that sooner rather than later. So, I'll, the Robin was in a mood, Mark, on Saturday, and not in a and not necessarily in a bad way. You know, he was really punchy after both losses to RSL. He's been punchy and disappointing games as well. But you know, he had a couple really good quotes in there, and one of them I'll summarize it since I don't have it in front of me. Of uh, you know, despite all the good things that the team did, particularly in the second half, and there were several of them, you know, that does not outweigh the results and that comment and his demeanor mark combined with Keegan Rosenberry's quote that we mentioned a couple minutes ago you know I think this I think this week was say inflection point at least internally for the club where regardless of what we're saying externally about how the team's doing or where they are in the table and everything that you know the it's soured over the last you know five games of losing now given the nine game unbeaten streak has now turned into five games in a row in which they've lost four of them really bad and games in which they needed to have picked up points in order to really, uh, you know, show that they're a playoff team, a playoff team would have gone in to an Atlanta team that had lost two in a row and found a way to get a draw. A playoff team would have found a way to get a result against a rival who normally is good against them. Um, try to get something against FC Cincinnati and absolutely try and win that game against Philadelphia. And I think now this is the first time maybe internally at the club, the players and the coaching staff, I think are of a similar mind to the Rapids where process and being process oriented and maintaining the long view. And it's a 34 game season and there's still plenty of time. I think now that has changed slightly for them where I think the realities of the situation they're in or that we have enough of a sample size to where at some point your record is what you your record shows who you are. And right now, this is a club that I think is still capable of being a playoff team. This is a club that does not have a very high ceiling, nor do they have a lot of room for error. And this was the first time Robin saying, you know, oh, we're still in our process, like we're working on stuff and everything. Yes, we did all those good things. And regardless of how much that I've come into these post-game press conferences and talked about the positives and try to focus on that. And can we build on those positives towards something more? You know, he said, this is a results-oriented business. And at this point, like the good stuff of what they changed in the second half or the positives they had in little moments and everything, at the end of the day, they lost 1-0. And it doesn't matter how will they play at Columbus? If they lose 1-0 again, that will be bad. And if they lose both games this week, it doesn't matter if they outplay the opponent or they have, you know, 3.5 XG to 0.04 for San Jose, but that one shot is a absolute screamer from half, you know, from the midway line from Christian Espinosa and you lose 1-0, that's bad. That's, th- th- there's no, uh, there's no putting, um, you know, lipstick on a pig or putting, you know, frosting on a turd and saying that like that's something that's edible or anything. This is, um, you know, the, the, the positives can't outweigh the realities of where the club's at right now. And two ugly performances that would lead to six points this week would be infinitely better than two good performances that, li- that end in, in one goal defeats. 
But hey, Don Baji scored, Mark, and he was vibes and energy, and it was good to see him, and he's a happy-go-lucky guy, and, um, you know, uh, there's still, there there was, I think, a, a mutual respect and, uh, on some level, in, in the moment, a joy, I think, for him, and, you know, I, I heard, Mark, there were a couple of Rapids fans who did stand up and politely, you know, golf clap for him after nice. he scored his goal as well. So it's nice to see someone who amicably left the club is still feels connected to the club, even though in a lot of ways it was disappointing. There, uh, he did not have a good time in terms of the results on the field on a whole. He still feels connected to Colorado. He said Colorado still feels like home. He accidentally almost went into the Rapids locker room when he got into the stadium. Rabbi, nice. uh, and it was nice to see him score a goal, but usually that means the Rapids are winning 1-0 in 2016, and now Dombaji is adding to the misery and piling on for the Colorado Rapids. Mark, why don't you tell our dear listeners how they can best support the podcast? You know, even when the Colorado Rapids are not that great uh, and things are not going well for them, they don't quit on us. They still take to the pitch every single week. Folks, me and Matt, we never quit on you. We do this podcast, rain or shine, good or bad. We are glad to do it and we love doing it. And we are supported by you, our loyal listeners to this podcast. You're also uh, able to check out our written material over at holdingthehighline.substack.com. And we are a reader-supported, listener-supported media conglomerate. We do this out of love, but website hosting and buying gas to go to training. And in my case, buying gas to drive all the way to Columbus this week and also get a hotel room. Uh, And I bought tickets too, Matt, because I'm going with Etta. And so we're going to be fans. So it's going to be fun. Uh, It ain't free, though. If you value what we do, consider becoming a paid subscriber at just $42 a year or $5 a month. It's the price of a Frappuccino. You can afford it. A yearly subscription will get you some discounted or free merch from us this year. A pint glass uh, design is pretty much done. We just have to figure out. Matt, you, you came up with the idea for the hashtag last week. What was it? Do you remember? Cheers to the sixes. Cheers to the sixes. All right, I don't have to write that down so I don't forget it again. Um, I'll put it right in this note so I know that it's it's the it's the one we're going to. Cheers to the sixes. Should I spell out sixes or should I make it a six? I think it should be a six. Okay, I think it should be a six too. Cheers to the sixes. Okay. Um, I hope nobody misinterprets this as like a. You know, you're in a bar and you see a guy and he's not very good looking, but you need to go home with someone. So you raise your glass and you go, cheers to the sixes, right? Like, it's not that. It doesn't mean that. We're talking about the defensive midfielders. But anyways, point being, um, for uh, the price of shipping, we'll, uh, for all of our loyal highlighters, we will send you um, a pint glass. You will be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Back to you, Matt. Mark, we have an Ask HCHL. We have a couple, one of which I chose to answer via Twitter. But we have one from our good friend of the show, Daniel Boniface, uh, asks, hashtag Rapids96, have uh, five straight losses across all competitions since the Max Alves accusations went public. They were unbeaten in nine straight before the news broke. Coincidence? Question mark. At hashtag Ask HCHL. Rabbi, I will take it first. <laughs> I think there are a number of factors that contributed to the 
inflection point the change in the form in that regard I think certainly Max's absence has been felt especially with the uh you know Cole Bassett just being able to play what the 17 minutes in that fifth game but being unavailable for the previous more and I would argue that he was on a really good run of form we sung his praises Mark from that game uh, that he would have played in the Open Cup at Sacramento, and we thought that was a really good. That was a an uh, that was an indication of how far that he had come. And the only thing that you were really missing from him was the final product consistently in the final third. But I could say that about every single Rapids player for the most part, outside of Diego Rubio and Michael Barrios in the final ten minutes of games. And so I think certainly on the in if I'm serving the blame pie of how did the Rapids go from nine unbeaten to five. In this certainly the max being unavailable regardless of the circumstances that made him unavailable deserves a I'll say a modest slice mark of pie, you know, the, but I I wouldn't say that it's getting the majority. I think there's a big chunk of that that's due to injuries. I think strike of schedule, certainly as well. I think Robin Frazier has been out coached in a couple of these games, certainly, but I I think, I think it's injuries. I think it's consistent mistakes and not improving upon those that we've been talking about all season, even issues that were with this club, particularly in possession going back to last season as well. Uh, and I think certainly the difficulty of the schedule, given, you know, how easy uh, those oppositions were and, you know, two lower division teams and the Open Cup contributing to two of those four wins in those nine games as well, were certainly there. But certainly, Mark, I, I think there's there's an argument to be had that maybe that Philly game turns out differently in terms of in terms of that being a Rapids loss. I don't know that adding Max to that team affects the 4-0 scoreline that much against Atlanta. Atlanta was always the better team in that. And while we both like Max, Mark, I I don't know that I don't know that he single handedly is overcoming the clear um narrative and dominance that RSL have in uh in this matchup against the Colorado Rapids. I, I do think that Max could have done something in the final third to be more effective in the first half um on 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 this past Saturday. So if if we're asking the adding max does that change the number of points or the actual results they have and everything? I think he has a net positive impact in the Philly game that could have been decisive and I would say the same thing about the Cincinnati game given how their defense was set up and how I mentioned earlier wasn't really a good option for uh, it, it wasn't conducive to Jonathan Lewis's style of play. Certainly, I, I don't know that he affects the Atlanta game or the RSL match. Mark, am I based, or is this just all coincidence? And all the other issues with the Rapids are so far deep rooted that uh, Max has no impact. I would like you to elaborate not to not today, but on a future podcast about the um, Robin Fraser getting out coached note that you made because I don't think we've talked about that really at all this season. So either write about it for Burgundy Wave or or, or think about it down the road and and add it to a comment of, of an upcoming match where we either draw or lose. I think that's I, I think it'll that'll be a good topic for us to table for next week, Mark, because you've got a lot of narratives between Robin and Wilford Nance and how they got their jobs and being, you know, two the only two black, I'll say domestically developed coaches that you have as well. Um and I believe Lucci Gonzalez in, is in his first year with San Jose and you talk about that with the way things ended for him at Dallas and incubating with the national team and everything. I, I think it's a good topic given the coaches of the teams the Rapids are playing this week. We we will talk about that next week, most probably. 
Yeah. Um, my my thought about the is it coincidence that that we start losing when Max comes on is we weren't doing that great with Max either. I mean, we had what like six unbeaten, but those were all, almost all draws. We had like two wins in there, and and one of them was against the Galaxy, which. <gasps> The Galaxy, as we mentioned before, is such a hot mess, they almost don't count as a win. I mean, I, I'm starting to think that our only goal for the rest of the season is to not win the Wooden Spoon, and as long as the Galaxy and TFC are going to be a hot mess, that feels like a reasonably, uh, easily achievement unlocked for the Rapids. But, um, uh, you know, Colorado also haven't had Jack Price for a lot of those games. They haven't had Diego Rubio for a lot of those games that Daniel Boniface is mentioning. Um, they've been, uh, missing, um, uh, Cole Bassett for a number of those games. There are any number of players that are out of the lineup right now who, uh, Darren Yappi is off at the, the, uh, uh, USMNT youth, uh, uh, under 20 world cup. If they've got a game tomorrow, I'm going to, uh, try and watch it because Tuesday is my day off. Um, so there's a lot of missing players other than Max that you could pin this on. Um, you could pin this on the players who are in the lineup who aren't doing a great job right now. Um, there's no there's no simple way to point at one player and say, everything's on that guy if we just had that guy back. But if I were going to point at one player and say, we'd be a lot better if that guy was back, it wouldn't be Max. It would be Diego Rubio, because I think the team just looks a lot more dynamic with him, and we don't have him right now. Listeners, this coming Wednesday, May 31st, and then Saturday, June 3rd, the Colorado Rapids will be taking on Columbus Crew at Columbus and then respectively hosting San Jose this Saturday. Uh, Saturday, uh, June 3rd, Mark, is Daniel Sperry's birthday, by the way. Uh, yeah, so we've happy had Dan birthday, on the show Daniel. as well. You know, happy birthday, Dan. I hope Kansas City doesn't make you completely sad. And Mark, Dan is also originally from San Jose, so he's actually a Quakes fan growing up as well. But that aside, listeners, we are currently 15 games into the Colorado Rapids MLS season. They are 13th in the Western Conference with 12 points on those 15 games played. They have a record of 2, 7, and 6, and a goal difference of negative 10. We'll look at Columbus first, who are 10th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, They did lose over the weekend to Nashville. Otherwise, they would have had an opportunity to jump into a playoff spot. 18 points off of 14 games played, 5, 6, and 3. Goal difference of plus six, but at home this season, they are four, one, and two. Very good home team, very bad road team. And then the San Jose Earthquakes are fifth in the Western Conference. They're having a renaissance of a season. 19 points off of 14 games played, five, five, and one, and a goal difference of negative one, or is that a plus? Uh, maybe my ink ran out, my pen ran out of ink. And But away from uh, from Avaya Stadium this year, they are 0 5 and 2. Mark will start first with Columbus Crew. They have Lucas Celarayan, who is an absolutely fun number 10, who was the star for them, winning MLS Cup during COVID against San Jose Earthquakes. They added Cucho Hernandez last year, who scores goals in buckets. He's absolutely fantastic. Elsewhere in the midfield, they're stacked. They've got Darlington Nagby, who's a silky smooth number 6 operator for them, less of a destroyer. They've added an Aiden Morris, who's been a nice complement to everything they got going on in the midfield. I'm going to assume, Rabbi, with the deal for the loan that Gustavo Viasia is ineligible for this game as a condition for the loan. So it's a valid question what Columbus is doing at center back. They no longer have Jonathan Mensah on the team, and so they've got a little bit of rotation there. And then Eloy Room is in goal. Mark, I would say this is a 
on talent, this is a upper quarter. Nah, this is the this is a team that on talent I would say is in the bottom of the top third in the Eastern Conference. They have a lot of young players in the academy that they're really excited about. Wilfred Nancy in his first year coming over from CF Montreal is doing a lot of really fun and interesting things tactically that are certainly helping the team, and he's bleeding in a lot of these youngsters as well. This is a team that I absolutely should expect to make the playoffs. This is a team that I think is rebuilding towards being competitive like they were in 2020 winning MLS Cup and everything. And this is a team that, you know, with a relatively new, uh, brand new soccer-specific stadium that's much more intimate and enclosed and in-your-face than, say, the wide and open uh, original soccer-specific stadium in MLS was, that was uh, historic crew stadium. Mark, this is a very good team. This is a team that has good players that take advantage of defensive mistakes, if we're especially talking about going up the middle through Nagby, Zellerron, and Kucha Hernandez. This is going to be a tough game, especially if the Rapids do not have new healthy bodies for two days from now so my expectation so i watched uh the game the other day against nashville which uh columbus lost and of course i was in the stadium for the riverhounds game and my expectation since they've gone wednesday wednesday saturday they'll be going wednesday and they'll be going saturday again is that there's going to be some squad rotation. So the question is, who's going to be squad rotated? One minor correction to you, Matthew, who are incredibly knowledgeable about the football and incredibly um, detail-oriented, so I know you'll appreciate this. Um, They will be starting Patrick Schulte in goal. Um, He's an American, even though he has a German-sounding last name, because Eloy Room is out with an injury. Against the Riverhounds, they actually started their third-string goalkeeper, Evan Bush, um, he looked fine. Um, there's a number of other guys they could be rotating. Aiden Morris has been, um, if you if you haven't listened to the latest Total Soccer show on MLS and um, the youth uh, setup, um, go listen. They did a really great job. Um, it, also, Yaya Boa had a um, goal of the week candidate shot this last week uh, in the opening goal. And then uh, Nashville ran riot and went past them for three goals. But the question for me is, are the big three going to start? So that's Cucho Hernandez, Lucas Elorion, and and Darlington Nagby. I would bet that they sit two of those players to start. Um, If I were to sit two of them, I'd probably sit um, Nagby because he's older and Cucho because you you, uh, don't need him necessarily. There's some other interesting players that they might put into the lineup. Um, Aiden Morris, like I mentioned, um, they have a right back by the name of Mohamed Farsi, who was, he's a, a Canadian. He's got a, a kind of a long dreadlock. He, he's noticeable um, when he comes down the lane. He looked really good against the Riverhounds. I got nervous every time he was on the ball. He just looked really slick. Um, and after that, there's uh, uh, two strikers who I think are uh, possible starters in, in place up front. For Columbus, there's um, Jason Russell Rowe, who is a Canadian. Um, he started against the Riverhounds. I wasn't impressed with him. Um, and then there is an old name that you may have forgotten existed, Christian Ramirez, who was part of the Batman-Superman duo back when Minnesota United um, ascended to Major League Soccer um, with uh, Miguel Ibarra as his, I think he was the... The, the Batman to Christian Ramirez as Superman. So Ramirez still looks good. He's 32 years old, still has uh, still has the ability to 
um, you know, uh, lurk at the back of the goal and, and poach, uh, still can rise up and, and dunk uh, a little bit as a target striker. So those are some guys to watch out for with this team. Um, I don't think it matters who they start. I think they could start the lineup they started against the Riverhounds and beat these Rapids. Um, and I also think the Rapids are thin and are going to have to rotate because they have another game on Saturday. So I guess on on that note, Mark, uh, I I think it's a I think it's a win for Columbus in this one. I think the goal will probably come off of some magic from Lucas Elleron. Should be pointed out, folks, he's pretty dangerous from set pieces. So I'd watch out for corners and see what's going on on that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who he's scoring. I I don't know who he's specifically targeting on corners, though, Mark, because I don't remember Viasia being particularly threatening attacking wise. And as I mentioned elsewhere, there's there's some doubts for Columbus at the back. Though. Oh yeah. Their back line is a mess right now. I was sitting next to the Columbus Dispatch um, reporter, and I asked, and she said, oh, this back line has two fullbacks in it playing as center backs right now. And we have one more who, if, uh, who has, you know, if he goes down, the entire back line will be people who don't actually play center back. So they know that they're shaky back there. Um, it's It's well documented. But can the Rapids take advantage of that? I mean, that's... That's really a great question. Yeah, and so if Rubio's again out and unavailable, and maybe Cole Bassett can't provide more than a sub role, and then you've got Kevin Cabral suspended as well. I mean, Mark, do we have a lot of faith that Jonathan Lewis going entirely on his own, or that Barrios potentially being forced into starting, or that Calvin Harris are really going to be threatening in attacking sense against Columbus? I, I've yet to see evidence that would suggest that for me personally. Um, but, you know, Lucas Elleron, as I was, as from my original point a moment ago, is very good on direct free kicks as well. So we saw what that happened right. with Thiago Almada against Atlanta as well. So I'm worried about that. I think it'll be a singular moment of brilliance in, from Lucas Elleron in an otherwise uneventful game that maybe on several metrics and stats, the Rapids are actually the better team, but I think they'll end up losing. Let's move on to San Jose, Mark, who are a much better version of what the Quakes have been historically. Luchi Gonzalez doing great stuff for them. And they've added some interesting players as well. They have Christian Espinoza, who will remember who scored that goal for the um, uh, for the Quakes in the 1-0 victory back uh, at, earlier in the season. Um, they have Jeremy Abobasi, who's been subject to racial abuse from uh, New York Red Bulls, a New York Red Bulls player earlier in the season. He's doing a lot of really good things similar to Diego Rubio on the ball. And defensively, hasn't necessarily put the final touch in in the box as well. Uh, they are without um, their uh, Cade Cal, who's normally playing on the left for them. He is with Darren Yappi down in Argentina. Really decent midfield mark, similar to the 2021 Rapids in terms of three players that do different things and work really well in harmony. You've got uh, Jero Montero, you've got uh, Grezo, who's their ball-destroying number six, and then Julian, uh, not Julian Gressel, excuse me, um, uh, Jackson Ewell, who was in competition at one point uh, with Kellen Acosta for the national team. Uh, Rodriguez, uh, Jonathan Mensa, and Beeson have been at the center back role. Paul Marie has been on the right. I still think they have Tommy Thompson, I think, Mark, but he's been mostly... They still do. If they have had that. So this is a team that is added in on some of their Latin American and South American flair this is a team that is playing cohesively they are an energetic and i would say well balanced 4-3-3 team 
That being said, Rabbi, they started off the season relatively good. They've cooled off a little bit if you look at the form table. And just this past week, Rabbi, they were up and they um, ended up uh, dropping points in stoppage time against FC Dallas. They scored in the 70th minute and then uh, it was the 90th minute plus four when Tafari scored for FC Dallas. And that so far this season is the 10th point that the are now 10 points total so two points that they dropped um on there and that makes 10 points that san jose has dropped this mls season in second half stoppage time so i don't let me look it up rabbi it's to see if san jose is playing midweek i think everybody is pretty much is everybody playing midweek it's a lot of them san jose san jose is at seattle so um you know that might be a difficult thing so i think similarly rabbi there's a question of injuries and squad rotation and maybe yellow card accumulation for both of these teams that could affect what the lineups look like on saturday and you're talking about san jose relatively you know short puddle jumper just over oregon in order to get to seattle but i think it's an interesting question what happens from a personnel standpoint given that san jose has to go to seattle and then maybe they come back to san jose for a day maybe they go to denver directly from Seattle as well, so they'll be a little bit weary. And then we keep talking about strength and altitude, Mark, being not relevant because the Rapids haven't won a home game this season as well. But maybe there's a little bit more leeway and a little bit more of an opportunity given psychologically what happens to San Jose in stoppage time. And then given that they'll be playing on short rest, traveling a little bit more and at altitude that could help the Rapids. I will say, Mark, this is a 1-1 draw against the Goonies. Wow. Uh, that's pretty optimistic, and I think that the Rapids are going to continue in their losing ways and drop another one to San Jose. Um, I need to see some um, healthy, solid players, some of our better players, and I need to see some life in the attack. Um, I'd like to see us get a, a goal uh, or two in the next couple games before I feel like this team is ready for a turnaround. Matt, anything else to talk about tonight, or are we all wrapped up for the evening? Uh, just to be clear, Rabbi, I have a loss and a draw, so one point in this double game week for the Rapids, and you have two losses, yes? Two losses, and I think we lose 2-0 two no, two and 2-1, uh, or 3-1, something like that, yeah. Maybe we'll score a goal. I'll be excited if we score a goal. That would be a big a big deal. I won't bet on it, but I, I, I do think we might score a goal this week. Alrighty then. Rabbi, let's get out of here. Cool. Uh, listeners, you can follow us individually on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard. Follow the podcast on the Twitter machine at Rapids96 Podcast. Check out all of our work if you want hounds related stuff. It's Pittsburgh Soccer Now. If you want general MLS stuff, it's at lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer. If you want rapid specific stuff, it's our Substack, holding the highline.substack.com or burgundywave.com. If you want to ask us a question, get in touch with us, communicate with us, you can tweet using the hashtag AskHGHL. You can tweet at us individually or collectively, and you can email us at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Listeners, we will see you next week. Peace. See you at the Columbus game. Peace.